1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field, here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. W- w- welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia Hey
2: everybody, welcome in. Uh, we'll call this an emergency episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Well, emergency seems to imply that something bad has happened. This is actually a celebratory uh, extra episode. Uh, episode of the Utopia Football Podcast, a bonus episode, we'll call it, not an emergency episode, a bonus episode, because Amigo Ryans is the new Texans head coach, and he has now been introduced to the fan base and the media, reintroduced, because he of course is a, uh, a Texans legend, and uh, as we record this, it's Friday late morning, so the press conference was yesterday, we welcome you in, uh, I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast with Sports Radio 610, joined as always by the Hall of Famer, my good friend, our senior Texans columnist at sportsradio610.com and galleriesports.com, John McClain. John, I don't know that that press conference could have gone any better than it did yesterday. My expectation was an A, and we got an A-plus, in my opinion, from D'Amico Ryans yesterday. What did you think?
3: I thought of all the head coaches that I've seen them at the podium, I've covered 15 with the Oilers and the Texans. That was the most impressive I've seen anybody. Wow. Now, the room was not more impressive than what they had for Gary Kubiak because they it was so big, they, they had it at the Moody Center downtown. And they had current and former players and people that knew him growing up, family members, fans, people from the organization. It was huge because Gary was coming home. He had two Super Bowl rings he won as an offensive coordinator. But this one with 20 there were 25 former players, 10 current players. I thought it went great. D'Amico blew everybody away.
2: Yeah. And 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 they gave us both D'Amico yesterday and Nick to an extent, but Nick was of course on with Seth and I this morning and gave a ton of amazing insight to the interview process, the interview itself with D'Amico just little factoids about it, moments where he realized that D'Amico was the guy and talking about D'Amico, kind of asking for the order at the end of the interview, you know, like you do, like a salesperson would, you know, saying, I want to come home. Um, I would encourage people to go find that podcast. It's the Pain and Pendergast podcast from today, our exclusive interview with Texans GM Nick Casario, almost a, a follow-up or a sequel to yesterday's press conference. John, I thought One of the best things, there's so many things that were great about yesterday. You touched on all the former players and current players that were there, just droves of them there. Um, I thought the biggest thing that maybe Texan fans who are skeptical or concerned, not that people are concerned about D'Amico himself, but maybe the dynamic of Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans working together. You know, is this something, is this a hire that the McNairs really kind of pushed because they wanted to bring D'Amico back? How did Nick Casario feel about D'Amico Ryans? I think it's been made abundantly clear. These two connected almost right away, and I have every bit of confidence that these two are going to work great together. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl, but if they don't, it's not going to be because they can't work together and collaborate in a productive manner. What are your thoughts?
3: I've had a lot of people ask me if McNair's pushed it, and I said they are in boots and I have no clue about how this operates. Operation is run. Those
2: people are income Poops, not
3: the McNairs. Yeah. yeah. No, the people, because that's not the way the McNairs do it. If Nick had said, no, I want to have Johnson and Gannon, they'd have Johnson and Gannon. So when D'Amico did that long Zoom on a Friday, day after he did the Broncos, he spent a lot of time talking to the McNairs and a lot of time emphasizing things to Nick, because he knew Nick was the one that was going to make the hire and then they would sign off on it. And I was told from both sides afterward that it went great. And uh, it was almost like bringing him down here was just to introduce him and not for another interview because they talked for hours. I don't know what more they could find out, but they were determined. They weren't going to let him get away. It wasn't going to come down to money. He could let his agent, Jimmy Saxton, milk him for another couple million and use the Broncos. And the Broncos did want him, but he told them that he was out, or Sexton did, and he was going all in with the Texans. And I think that's another thing that endears him to the to the family, to the people in the organization, media fans, is about how hard he wanted to be here. And he did. He said it's his dream job. I've talked to him, and he wanted to be here all along. Before he got a chance to interview, he said it was his dream job. And I'll never forget. Before they played that first game against the uh, Forty Nine, last game of preseason against the 49ers, I went over to say hello. And while we were shaking hands and talking, I said, let me be the first to congratulate you on your uh, first NFL head coaching job. And he just laughed. And I'm thinking now, you know, if he had said, you know, he'd be here, I wouldn't have believed it. I thought there's no way Lovey Smith was going to be a second consecutive one and done. Because I thought their offense was going to be good, not great, but good, and it was horrendous. Lovey would still be here if he had a better offensive coordinator, yeah, and a better offense. So, uh, D'Amico wanted his job. Make no mistake about it, they wanted him, but they don't interfere. And there's, we you never know about somebody for sure till they prove themselves as a head coach. I've seen other coordinators I thought were locks, but I'm wondering if the bloom will stay on the rose. If he tells Nick, hey, let's get Jimmy Garoppolo and use those first two picks on defense, and then they don't get their franchise quarterback. uh, Possibility, although I can't imagine Garoppolo would want to come here if he has a chance to go to a team that's closer to the playoffs.
2: Well, Nick did draft Jimmy Garoppolo, John, (laughs) back in the day. Well,
3: Belichick drafted him, and he was there.
2: (laughs) But you know what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, we uh...
3: don't People are trying to connect those dots that go way back. Yeah. And we don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's told you what he thinks, but I yeah. have no idea what he thinks about Garoppolo. He yeah. hasn't tried to get him before when uh, his name's been bandied about, but D'Amico, may love the guy. Yeah. You know, people. A lot of fans say they should trade for Trey Lance. They were never going to trade Trey Lance. My yeah. goodness. Give me a break. They Trey Lance has got more yeah. natural talent than, than, uh, Brock Purdy does, they're going to have now Lance will be healthy and Purdy won't be. So there's no way they're not going to have those two quarterbacks uh, at Levi's stadium next year.
2: If Kyle Shanahan's getting rid of somebody, John, I don't want that person. (laughs) (laughs) If if Kyle Kyle Shanahan's getting rid of a quarterback that was drafted third overall two years ago, that's not somebody I want to be trading for.
3: I I talked to Kyle about 30 minutes. um, Let's see when it was announced about D'Amico. And listening to him, you know, they both came here in 2006 with Kubiak. And Kyle left after four seasons. And he's, when he when he was putting together his staff in San Francisco, Robert Sala, who was here for six years, they were talking. And Robert said, I think D'Amico may want to get in coaching. He's back in Houston, helping some high schools. He goes home to Alabama to his hometown, Bessemer, and talks to those kids. He, he said, I think he may. And Kyle said, that's all I need to know. Mm-hmm. I called him immediately, got him over here in quality control. After half a season, he was doing linebackers, And I knew then if we had an opening as coordinator, it was going to be him. And then, of course, Solid got the Jets job. And D'Amico really couldn't have done a better job. Takes over defense it was a lot better under him than it had been under Solid. They were third last season. They were first this season. They lost the NFC championship game to the Rams and the Eagles. And this year, of course, they were down, not just the poor quarterbacks, they were down to none. So I'm kind of glad they lost so he could get hired quicker and get here and get going because it's so weird. Not having anything negative to say about the Texans.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of people who like to think everything, everything, everything's bad about the Texans. And granted, most stuff has been the last few years. But the, you can just I watch certain media members operate. I can see like, OK, well, this is going to be an adjustment for you watching them make good decisions. And and, and I and I've felt this strongly all along, John. And I know Cal McNair has taken a lot of heat over the last few years, and I think rightfully so. Um, when you're the owner of a team that wins 11 games in three years, you deserve whatever heat it is that you get. But my strong contention all along has been that. Cal is an owner who does not want the spotlight. He doesn't want a medal. He doesn't want to be Jerry Jones. He doesn't want to be an owner. He doesn't want to be Jim Ursay. He wants to hire good people, let them go do their thing, and give them as much money and resources as they need to in order to go do their thing. And I feel like we are maybe finally turning the corner on this, where I liked, I liked the hire of Nick a couple of years ago. I didn't like how it came about because of the fingerprints that were on it from you-know-who, but – I, but I like Nick, and I think Nick's a really capable executive. Um, I think D'Amico is going to knock it out of the park. So I we maybe turn the corner now and maybe kind of prove out the theory that the owner is really just as good as the people that they hire in, in key positions. There's plenty of people who have been thought to be bad owners, John, who now have teams that make deep playoff runs every year.
3: People used to think Jeffrey, Lur- Jeffrey Lurie should sell the Eagles. And uh, it's amazing how that happens when you get – the right people. I think Casario's done a hell of a job considering what he was faced with uh, when he got here. Agreed. And it's amazing all the controversy and turmoil they had from coaches firings, Easter B Watson. And, and now things just seem to be so smooth and uh I'm really fired up to see how D'Amico does, one of the all-time all-time good guys and he is now Watching him talk yesterday, I've never seen a coach at a news conference. You know, he was impressive. He wasn't Dan Campbell biting you on the knees. Yeah. He was just everything that came out of his mouth was great. I'm glad he had a lot of quotes because I wrote columns for Gallery Sports and Sports Radio 610, took different subjects. J.J. Watt sent me quotes yesterday, and, mm. and i written a thing about that, put those in my 610 column. And I got another one that I'm going to do with all those ex-players talking about him. A couple of them said, man, listening to D'Amico, I want to put on some pads and hit somebody. No
2: kidding. Yeah. Um, John, I'm curious about this. Do you think that D'Amico backed away from looking at head coaching jobs last year with the idea that the Texans' job might open up at some point, if it's his dream job, that he was willing to maybe give it another year or two to see how it played out? if the Texans job opened up again? Because, I mean, unlike a lot of these coordinators who go get head coaching jobs, this is the first million-dollar paycheck for a lot of these coordinators. D'Amico made $40 million as a player. He doesn't necessarily need that upgrade in lifestyle. He doesn't strike me as a super extravagant lifestyle guy anyways. He seems to be pretty grounded. But do you think that part of backing away from entertaining head coaching jobs last year was maybe because the Texans job could open up in the next year or two?
3: absolutely not uh he went did an interview with minnesota and decided through that process he needed more seasoning at that point we all thought lovey smith was an improvement and uh uh so no no you okay. can't plan ahead like that and hope something just like if they if they okay we'll get our franchise quarterback next year well you're not supposed to be this bad anymore yeah you could be in that group of teams that are desperate for a quarterback and are not bad enough to get one of the good ones unless they trade up or get lucky. Right. And uh, so I, I'm really curious about, uh, I think they'll still take quarterback, although I don't know, That's, I'm just hoping, but the 12th pick, which I thought that would be a wide receiver, I think now will be a defensive player. It'll be a defensive lineman. D'Amico had three number one picks in his defensive line with a 49ers, none on the back seven. Yeah, so well, I could see them taking the highest-rated tackle or in available with the 12th pick.
2: I could see that. I um, I I love the story though, John, that D'Amico told in the press conference. This was the one thing that really jumped out at me. I when 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 he said what I'm about to say, I turned to Figgy and Landry, who were sitting next to me. Well, they were sitting in between us. You were right down at the end of the row. And as D'Amico was telling this story, I said, this is really usable stuff here as far as how we can envision D'Amico working with Nick and looking at the roster as a defensive guy, looking at the roster is the story he told about Elijah Mitchell and the drafting of Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco a couple of years ago, where D'Amico's in the war room as the defensive coordinator for the first time. And they're in the sixth round. And there's a couple of linebackers on the board that he really, really liked, um, but they opened up the film of Elijah Mitchell and he looks really good too. And he's turned into a good player for them. Um, And D'Amico realized like, no, that guy can help us as a team. He was able as a defensive guy to take a look at the whole, you know, look at the thing holistically, which would seem to bode well, that as the head coach, he'd look at it even more holistically because he's in charge of everything. I thought that was just, and Nick brought it up unsolicited with me and Seth today as a story that he loved Um, I just thought that was a a great story, and it it did give me hope that, okay, well, you know, the best guys, you know, he's going to feel that acute need for a quarterback, and it's – even if in in his mind, you know, he loves Will Anderson, if he sees Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud as being more beneficial, it's not anything where he's going to go stand on the table necessarily for Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or whatever. Did you – I enjoyed that story from him yesterday.
3: No, that was a great story. That was low round when Mitchell was – taken. and uh, yeah. Higher and,
2: stakes with the second overall pick, for sure.
3: Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is, is a really good judge of offensive talent. Yeah. He has final say on every decision there. It's in his contract. I love it when people say, oh, man, John Lynch made a great pick, and I'm thinking, no, he may have scouted him and recommended him, but Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan sends off on that, but D'Amico knows that he hasn't been a, an assistant coach long enough to, to have that kind of power. To get it, he needs a guy like Nick Casario, has 22 years as a as a personnel guy and as a coach, mm-hmm. two years, and I think they, that's ideal. D'Amico doesn't have a humongous ego; he's not going to argue and fight and try to steal power from Casario. And uh, so I think they're going to work real well. I think they'll work real well together. He he said he wants a lot of voices heard. He wants to know what the coaches think. Mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't mean they're going to do it, but he wants to know. And so the only voices that count are those two, Nick Casario and D'Amico right?
2: Yeah. Um, John, one of the things that Nick said, you've alluded to this, Nick said it with Seth and I today, is he, he told us about how D'Amico was straight off the practice field to into their interview that Friday before the Dallas game, the Dallas-San Francisco game and literally like left the practice field got into a suit and jumped on a zoom with them on a friday night and he said nick said the meeting went more than a few hours is that in your you've been covering the sport for a long time is that normal for a first interview with a head coach especially one over zoom i guess but just in general for an interview a first interview to go that
3: long it is because you want to establish Do you want that take back do you want to make him a finalist and fly him in and
0: mm-hmm. take
3: all that time, use so much of his time. Yeah. So there are always multiple hours. And I th- I think this, if D'Amico hadn't impressed him so much, not necessarily Hannah and Cal, but Nick, the more he impressed Nick, the more Nick wanted to know. And that's yeah. why I think, they, I think after it was over, they knew they wanted to hire him. now. He wasn't going to tell him that his agent Jimmy Sexton had negotiated a contract. He got a six-year contract. I'm, Casario's was for thirty million. I'm guessing his is for a little more than that, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be a one and done, three in a row. And it's amazing how everybody was so negative about the Texans firing David Culley and Lovey Smith in back-to-back seasons, and they knew nothing about the team. Yeah, they didn't know how bad this offense was. People here know exactly why they fired two coaches. And so now, uh, you know, the next thing's free agency way before we get to the draft, and they're gonna have some cap money, and Casario may do some other things, but I would have guessed, Sean, that that veteran players when you target maybe a tight end or you target a center, they need to get a veteran center. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that is so important. And uh and of course he's working on his staff. The, one, the two that I would like to see of the names mentioned, Bobby Slowick of the 49ers, he and Kyle Shanahan were together in Denver. I mean, I'm sorry, Washington, and together every year with the 49ers. D'Amico was there when Slowick and Kyle got there. So his dad, this was a story Kyle told me uh, that I wrote on GallerySports.com. He said, you know, his dad is one of was, four-time defensive coordinator. So Bobby started out on defense. And then he took a year off and he went to work for pro football focus grading players. (laughs) I thought that was so smart. I'd put more stock in all those companies if they had former NFL players doing that, right? And so when Kyle hired him and Kyle said, I don't want to lose him. And Kyle said, D'Amico and I are going to be having some conversations because he loves our staff. I love my staff. He wants what's best for the Texans. I want what's best for the 49ers. But he knows there's only so much he can do. So he loves Bobby Sloan. Mm-hmm. Another one that's interesting to me would be Clint Goobyak, Gary's son, mm-hmm. who was in Minnesota this year. He was in Denver as quarterback coach. And when Hackett got fired, I believe they made him the play caller. And Russell Wilson's performance, if you yeah. look at the year, was a whole lot better. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I still, we've talked about this before, would love to see D'Amico reach out to Gary act to see if he wanted to come in and work with the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator, of course, would call plays. Gary did that same thing in Minnesota for Mike Zimmer when uh, Nick Stefanski was, I'm sorry, Kevin Stefanski was the coordinator and play caller and he helped Kevin become the head coach of the Browns. I don't know if Gary would be interested in that. don't know if, D'Amico would, by the way, I asked Andre Johnson yesterday, I said, Mm -hmm. if D'Amico reaches out to you and offers you a job, would you be interested? He said, yes, we've been really good (laughs) friends for a long time. And if he's interested, I'd sure less.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
4: Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest.
2: Did he elaborate on that, John, as to what the nope. job might be?
3: Nope. Well, okay. he didn't know. I just asked him. He hadn't heard from D'Amico. Yeah. No. I'm I, just wondering. I just think it'd be great to get Andre Johnson back in the organization.
2: Oh, for sure. I know. I know everybody loves Andre. I'm just curious. I mean, that's that's a wide range, you know, from being like Andre would be a great wide receivers coach to have, right? Like, who, who better to learn from than one of the greatest of all time? But that's you Know that's 17 hour days. Andre's done the coaching thing one time before with the Texans. Granted, it was with somebody who's probably not as fun to be around as D'Amico Ryan's, Bill
3: O'Brien's, and and uh Jack Easterby. Yeah, uh, he he's Andre's just opened a sports bar restaurant here, He's opening one, and yeah. uh, I don't see him wanting to work those long days, but kind of having him in a role like they did before as an advisor, uh, maybe he he would he started off. Talking to the coaches about wide receivers and they want his opinion on other positions and just have him there to pick his brain, let him come over there, come to practice. He didn't mm-hmm. have to stay the whole time. Because his name's Magic. Yeah. And uh if they ever get wide off the golf course, why not call him too?
2: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I don't think he's coming anytime soon.
3: Yeah, I don't think he is either. Yeah. And I tell you, I watched on Hard Knocks. Yeah. The last game in which Watt played it at the 49ers. And D'Amico talked about this at his news conference. He said, I was there for his first game, I was there for his last game. And what blew me away, he's playing at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. And when he walked off the field, the fans gave him a standing ovation. Yeah. And they chanted his name, J.J. Watt. Yeah. J.J. Watt. And D'Amico said, He got choked up on the other side. When I talked to him before watching it, it's hard to watch it not get choked up because the fact that it's, if it's here, that'd be one thing. Yep. If it was in AFC South City, that'd be another one. But here's Santa Clara. They only saw him two, a couple of times. But, man, he got the utmost respect from those fans.
2: J.J. wasn't there yesterday, John, and I know he doesn't make Houston his home anymore. And I, I, I we were talking about this. I was talking about this with a few people from the Texans and just kind of hypothesizing a little bit. And I wonder if, I, I wonder if part of JJ, cause JJ was in town recently. I wonder if part of JJ might've felt like JJ is, I know Andre Johnson's a big star, but we're used to having Andre around the team. I don't know that JJ has been back around. He has not been back around the team since he left for Arizona. Do you feel like that? Maybe like JJ might've felt like he'd have been taken away from D'Amico's day a little bit. If him being there would have been almost as big a news as D'Amico getting hired if he were here.
3: I think that's exactly it. Plus, he's not here. And, uh, but he could have come back or stayed over because yeah. he had that dinner with some of his best friends. Uh, it can be butchers, of about 15 of them. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think if J.J. walked in that door, people would be interviewing him about him yeah. retiring and not D'Amico. Yeah. And plus, JJ's never had an interview about Houston. Right. I'm going and I'll tell you, I'm going to the NFL owners' meetings in Arizona. And I'm gonna do everything I can to get an interview with him, unless he's talked about his time with the Texans. I hope he lays low. And so I'm fired up about that possibility, but I think that was it. Plus and, and the lead on my column on Sports Radio 610 is JJ has supported him publicly since the first time his name was mentioned as a candidate. So he he united the fan base to get behind D'Amico, so yeah. he's done. He's done his part, and also uh, they're going to retire. They're going to put him up the ring of honor next season. Mm-hmm. And we all, I think, the best team would be Pittsburgh since his brothers would be there.
2: Yeah, Arizona comes to town too next year, John. Just uh, you know, that's but Pittsburgh would be the good was a good
3: one. Cup of coffee. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to remember that he played for the Cardinals. I know he had. He played his ass off over the last five games. He did. He, end, he ended up with 12, 12 or 12 and a half sacks. Yeah. Two against the 49ers. As D'Amico said, he roughed us up a little bit. Yep. And uh, so I think now that D'Amico's, mainly because Easterby is gone, Yeah. that we're going to see JJ come to training camp, stop by. Maybe stop by when he's in town because he was always welcome, but now he's got a good reason to come back because he stayed good friends with with D'Amico, even though they only played together one season.
2: Yeah. Um, John, last thing before we we get out of here, just to recap this bonus episode, this D'Amico Ryan's press conference bonus episode. Do you think that D'Amico realizes the enormity that he himself is carrying with this right now? This is not just a head coach who's being brought in to – reestablish a bad football team. I mean, there is a lot being put on D'Amico Ryan's being the catalyst to getting season ticket holders back on the season ticket list to getting walk-up fans the day of to buy tickets to go to games to sell jerseys. They already got a jersey, John, available in the team store. Greg Grissom texted me this morning when he heard me talking about it, and he said, yes, we have the 59 jerseys with Coach on the back available in the team store (laughs) Right now, um, do, I mean, th- this is bigger than just a normal head coach being hired for a bad football team. I'd say it's even bigger than just a head coach who has a history with the team being brought back to be the head coach. John, this is a team, as you've pointed out, that over the last three years has watched its season ticket wait list. Dwindle into nothing to where now they've, they've actually had to try to sell tickets. They've reduced prices on tickets to keep season ticket holders. They've done things, you mentioned the name Jack Easterby, that have just left people with a bad taste in their mouth still, and there's still people staying away because of that. Um, D'Amico is, I think, I, I don't think the Texans say, and we're counting on him to do X, Y, and Z. But I think people observing the team feel like he's going to be a big reason why that is the case. I don't know. Do, what are your thoughts on just the enormity of this hire, and do you think it's something that, D'Amico Ryans ever thinks about or processes, or is he just an all-ball kind of guy?
3: He knows exactly what the, the enormity of the task, and he relishes it. He can't wait. Could, we're going to be seeing him in the public eye a lot. I watched it on NFL Network because we didn't see this because we were in the auditorium, but when he came in with his family through the Bud Plaza and he walked in, the upper level was packed with employees downstairs packed with employees, and they were all clapping for him. I thought it was pretty cool the way all the ex-players, current players, clap for him when he came into the auditorium to start his news conference. Everywhere he goes, people are clapping for him. And uh, he's he was a good talker when, he's here, when he was here, but he's careful because he's a player. And now he's a great talker. He's demonstrative. He's animated. He's sincere, energetic, passionate. He gets everybody fired up. But, you know, they still have to play the games.
2: Yeah, of course. And, uh,
3: they don't get that quarter. But maybe, you know, maybe what happens here? Will the bloom be off the rose if the new quarterback coach says, you know, I watched Demi – I wa- I watched Davis Mills a lot at Stanford. And he only started 11 games. And I watched him at the end of his rookie season. And I saw some good and bad last year. I think we should go with Davis Mills another season. And D'Amico says, okay, what do you think fans would think about that?
2: John, I don't – you know, it's it's a fair question. Um, I honestly, like being in that room yesterday, I feel like they could draft a broom with a bucket for a head at quarterback <laughs> and they would be like, cool, awesome. D'Amico loves brooms with buckets for heads. If he says it's okay, I'm – if he wants a mop, that's fine. But the broom really I, – I, I, uh, I tell you what, I – some of the answer, some of my answer might depend on who they hire as the OC. I'm assuming they're hiring somebody that subscribes to what Seth likes to call the Kubshanistan uh, the the nationality, the combination. Yeah,
3: that was all Mike Shanahan started all that. In yeah, yeah. They're going to have somebody that plays that same kind of West Coast system. Sometime. Yeah. I,
2: so do I want to sit like I? If it's that system where you can kind of plug and play, and they don't love any of the quarterbacks, I I wouldn't like that. Um, but the fact that it's D'Amico Ryan's doing it probably does give me a little bit of latitude on that. Like that's That that goes to show you how powerful this hire is, is that I'm not – I'm like 10% okay with Davis Mills being – 10% okay with Davis Mills being the starting quarterback.
3: Yeah, what if he said, I think I'm going to keep Pat Hamilton as the uh, quarterback. Okay,
2: coach. well, then, then, John, we'd have to have an intervention with D'Amico. <laughs> no, I'd hate no, to have no, to have no. the intervention before <laughs> we've even had our first practice at <laughs> training camp.
3: Well, that's not going to happen. I'm hey. told – so Pep turned down a couple jobs because he's gonna stay here to watch his son play. Good for yeah. him. He's under contract, so that will be good for him. Yeah,
2: that's. I don't. I have no animus in my heart for Pep Hamilton. I just think he, he did has. a horrible job. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if he wants to, and his kid's supposedly a really good football player. So if he gets a little, uh, if he gets a, if he gets a payday from uh, a, a billion dollar corporation to sit and watch his kid play for a couple of years, maybe even coach his kid a little bit in high school, you know, like. Be a consultant for, where is he at, Pearland, I think, right, his son? I believe so. One of the Pearlands. Yeah, he's he's down there. So, yeah, uh, last thing, John, I, I know I said last thing a minute ago, but this is a, obviously this is a big day. Um, what's the time frame on the exi- – you brought up Pep Hamilton made me think of this. What's the time frame, do you think, for the existing staff to sit down with D'Amico? And really the only one I care about is Frank Ross, the special teams coordinator.
3: Hopefully, he'll want to keep Frank. Hopefully, Frank will stay here. Now, some of them are under contract, but Casario told us, he told all of them, you can look for other jobs, but keep in mind, the new coach want to make may want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, uh, I think that uh, Frank Ross would be the first one they'd keep. And he might keep a couple of more. I don't know. But uh, he's got to get that coaching staff done because then he's got to focus on free agency and the draft because yeah. free agency – is in the middle of March, and the draft, of course, the end of April. But it's paramount that he gets the right people. And I told Kyle Shanahan, because he loses so many coaches every year, he keeps he has a lot. He's got to have assistance for every position coach so they can elevate people. And we know if D'Amico wants to do that, and I'm sure he does. McNair's will give him the resources to hire as many and whoever he wants. Because you hope they start to lose coaches, too, because it means they will start winning again.
2: That's right. I, I have no problem with a, an offensive coordinator being cherry-picked off this staff after two years because it means that whatever quarterback they drafted is the next conversation is, does he get a contract extension after the next season? You know, that, that they're playing to that level. So I'm down with that, too. So, John, just to reconfirm, the press conference yesterday with D'Amico Ryan's in the 15 head coaches that you covered across both professional football teams in this town, that was the best performance that you've seen at a press conference from a head football coach.
3: Absolutely, Sean. I've never seen anybody talk as well and from the heart and be so impressive about it and get everybody in the room motivated for the season.
2: Yep. Good stuff. All right. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for, um, for uh, getting this podcast out. Obviously, a bonus episode. So, hopefully, you guys are all getting it in your inbox uh, prior to the weekend. Give you something to listen to while you're enjoying what's going to be some nice weather here in Houston or wherever you're getting this podcast. We got people that listen all over the world to this thing. So, we appreciate all of you tuning in. A reminder we'll do a mailbag episode next week. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. I can't imagine you guys don't have a ton of questions and thoughts after the events of this week with the Houston Texans. H O U mailbag. At gmail.com. John, what do you got going on on your various platforms?
3: Hey, D'Amico, all the time. I've got uh, interviews with former players. I've got a column on uh, – I'm going to have a. I've got a column on galleriesports.com. I've got a column on sportsradio610.com. I've got videos next week. got a lot of Hall of Fame stuff coming up. I'm, I'm Hall of Fame. Super Bowl, sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my mind. One of them is a column I'm doing on Donnie Anderson, who played the first two Super Bowls for Vince Lombardi. Oh, wow. I'm going to talk to him and uh, have him remember Lombardi in the first two. I'm going to do one on uh, former Cowboys linebacker Chuck Calley, and uh, I presented him for the Hall of Fame, and we find out next Thursday night if he made it. And I think I'm going to do one on the two quarterbacks. Everybody's talking about – They're the first two black quarterbacks to face each other in the Super Bowl. And important to me also is they're both from Texas.
0: They
2: are, yeah, indeed. Well, that'll be some good stuff, John. GallerySports.com, SportsRadio610.com is where you can get all of John's work. And obviously, we appreciate you guys subscribing, downloading, giving us a five-star rating if you believe we deserve it for this podcast, the Utopia Football Podcast. We'll be back next week with a couple more episodes, and uh, we look forward to that. In the meantime, for John McLean, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. Have a great weekend. It is the D'Amico Ryan's era. It was heat. It is here, and this was a great
0: week. Get excited. We'll see you all next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.